What's up, everybody? Metal Dave Glessner here, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast. Today, we are joined by one of my favorite drummers, Nigel Glockler from Saxon, is with us today. It's his fourth appearance on the Talk Louder podcast. That makes him the current Talk, Talk Louder podcast champion. Uh, he's got a new album out uh, with Saxon called Hellfire and Damnation. It's awesome. Yes. Uh, we delve into that and talk about the new album, the new videos, the upcoming tour. Uh, we also got some cool stories about uh, Freddie Mercury and Cheap Trick and uh, some other stuff. We had fun picking his brain today. Yeah, he's always fun to talk to. He has the best laugh. Uh, yes. It's completely infectious, and and he's such a nice guy, and he's no bullshit either. So yeah. that's that probably has a lot to do with why we keep having him back. And it's it, Saxon is very consistent. Yes. And prolific. Yes. Uh, for for a band that's been around, you know, they they arguably kind of started the whole new wave of British heavy metal thing. You know, they've kind of been around as long as, like, I want to say UFO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, band, whatever. You you could, I mean, their first record came out in late 70s. Yeah. Uh, they've been yeah. around at least as long as Iron Maiden. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly one of the forerunners. Obviously, everyone knows them as a, as a leader of the uh, new wave of British heavy metal movement. Uh, yeah. and they're still going strong. And I'm glad you brought that up because... Al- along I, with Def Leppard and Iron Maiden and such. Yeah, of course, of course sure. Of course, but... Sure, but I love your point about them, their consistency because yes. now this is the Hellfire and Damnation is the latest album in a string of about... I'd say four or five that have just been phenomenal. And I've said this before, if you stopped listening to Saxon after Crusader, you're missing out on a lot of great stuff. The last few albums, uh, Sacrifice, Battering Ram, Thunderbolt, Carpe Diem, uh, the current one, Hellfire and Damnation. I mean, that's all their most recent output and they're all excellent, excellent albums. So if you're a fan and you've missed that, go out and check that out. And of course, check out the new album, Hellfire and Damnation. It's amazing. Saxon will be on the road. You'll get a chance to see them here in the next couple months. So, uh, and yeah, N- Nigel's just the nicest guy. Always a blast to hang out with him. So yep. we appreciate him spending time with us today. Nigel Glockler on the Talk Louder podcast. <laughs> I got a chance to spend some time with you uh, a couple nights ago and and we'll have some questions related to some of our conversation the other night because that was a lot of fun. Um, but obviously the, the thing we want to talk about the most today is uh, your new album, the new Saxon album, Hellfire and Damnation. Um, yeah. Wow, the the reviews have been great, and uh, there it, it's all over the internet. Lots of great reviews. Um, do you feel it? Do you feel like there's a certain new excitement about Saxon and this particular album, or, or are you too close to it to tell? Yeah, that's a difficult one, I guess. Um, no, I, I, you know, maybe you're right. I mean, I think. Um, you know, bringing Brian into Brian Tatler into the fold maybe has sort of added some excitement to some people that would, you know, maybe Diamond Head followers that wouldn't be into us or something. So, you know, I don't know. I can't. I couldn't possibly say. But I mean, yeah. I mean, we're well pleased with all the with all the reviews and everything. Great. Yeah, I would think so, because everything I've seen has just been a, a great review, and I've seen a lot of them. It's not just a couple reviews here and there. It seems to be all over the Internet. People are really excited about it. Yeah. You mentioned Tatler. Um, so is it fair to say he's officially a member of the band now? Oh, I, I think so. Yeah, okay. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when, when, we, when we talked to Brian he he kind of wasn't allowed to say it was kind of like we'll see we'll give it a go and see what happens because yeah. at that point i don't even know if he had done a, a fucking gig with you guys yet <laughs> <laughs> so we were already we were already hiring him for you oh right okay <laughs> we oh, already going to play okay yeah get in there man just get in there just get in there it'll be fine <laughs> no i mean you know he's great you know we yeah He's done the album and everything, and he's doing the next tour. So I, I think you can safely say that. So you know. Yeah, 
I, uh, I'm still waiting on my album to arrive in the mail, so I don't have the credits in front of me, but I understand that Paul uh, plays on the album. Is that correct? Yeah, he plays just a couple of solos on the album. Okay. Uh, to be so, quite honest with you, I couldn't tell you what tracks they are. <laughs> 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 Off the top of my head, but, yeah, we got him in just to do a couple more, you know. So if he is uh, basically retired from the band and, and, and only contributed a couple solos on the record, how did that alter the writing process for you guys? Because you now have Brian Tatler, Paul Quinn, obviously was a huge part of the Saxon sound and now yeah. he's out. So how did that, how did that alter the chemistry when you went to write this record? Um, no, well, I mean, everyone goes away and writes bits and bobs away from the band. You know, and then people bring in their sort of ideas and then we sort of work them out. You know, that's how it goes. So really it was no different. You know, okay. Brian brought some ideas in that he had and we sort of worked through them. And Yeah, he seems like a great fit for you guys. I remember when the word went out that you were looking for a, a second guitarist to step in for Paul. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, he just didn't, he wasn't even on my radar. And I think some of that might be Diamond Head never really broke in america so he's right. he's not really on my radar they're a much bigger band in europe but yeah. now that he's in the band he makes perfect sense to me oh yeah i mean he's slotted in with doug great you know and um but i mean it was uh, not last year i think it was a year before there was a time i mean paul was sick i can't remember whether it was covid or something and diamond had been supporting us anyway and um we asked brian if he would mind learning the set so he could step into the breach i think it was for a couple of festivals or something just in case right so, so he was he was sort of uh almost ready shall we say anyway because yeah. he went and learned the set yeah you know? and um so then when this when this occurred it just it just made sense anyway and you know we're all good mates and everything and it, it just worked out it just seemed the obvious answer i mean you know we were getting so many sort of emails and stuff from other guitarists. And I mean, quite frankly, we didn't, we wanted someone, A, from our sort of era. Right. Someone from our, our sort of star. We didn't want some young gun coming in, like shredding 5,000 notes a minute because that would just be totally wrong for us. Right, right. You know, and, and, and Brian was just an obvious fit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad he's, he's working out because the album sounds great. He's a good fit on stage, and I'm glad that personality-wise, he's he's he, he's able to jump in and keep Saxon moving forward. Yeah. Um, the videos for this album have been really good, and <laughs> I mean the 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 camera work, especially on that the video for the title track, Hellfire yeah. and Damnation. The camera work and the editing is great. And I, I love the fact that they give you equal face time. There's quite a lot of shots of Nigel, the drummer. It's nice, isn't it? It's pretty good. And then, and then they give me the evil eye as well, <laughs> the red eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, come, how come you got the evil eyes? Did you draw the shortest straw? or <laughs> God knows, you know. <laughs> I guess maybe, maybe it's some of the facial expressions I pull when I'm playing. You know, I don't know. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was like it was a great video to do. Great, you know. All of them have been really, really, really good videos. Uh, they're they're colorful. The action is good. The, the editing is great. The camera shots are good. I like how they give each member of the band equal time. Uh, so I was I was really impressed with the videos. Uh, do you have any songs on this album? I know in the past, uh, like with Kingdom of the Cross, it, there's been times in the past where you were the main contributor to a particular song on an album. Is there a song like that on this album? No, not this one. No. Not this one. Everyone was just working all together and everything. So Right. Okay. Yeah. Did you um when you say people like, you know, you guys kind of split up and everybody writes a little, you know, little tads and things on their own and then kind of email them to each other is usually how it's done these days. Uh yeah. did you have some things Did oh yeah you, i mean there's yeah. always there's always bits flying about all the time you know yeah, oh, there might be there may be some things that didn't get used on past albums that suddenly come up i mean it just varies album to album you know right. there's no there's no sort of set thing people just send stuff in and if biff gets sort of 
something moves him, shall we say, you know, yeah. or he's got a title in his head and it fits, it gets used. I mean, in the past, we've done something where we, we might have used something that was written like six years ago, a basic idea. Right. So yeah. there's no set thing how it works. Does anyone yeah. else in the band ever present lyrics to Biff yeah, or is question. that really no, his no, he, does, he does all the lyrics. I mean, I, in the past, uh, sort of around that sort of uh, Dogs of War and Unleash the Beast, I used to help him with the lyrics then. Yeah. But, you know, as, we, as we're all over the place, it's like it doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, living-wise. And we, do, we tend to sort of – he tends to work on lyrics at home a lot anyway. Yeah. You know, when, 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 when he gets the demos and stuff and then works on lyrics or he might work on lyrics once we've got the song worked out, but he does that by himself. He's got some good rhyme scheme going on. Uh, Madame Guillotine, that first verse. I was verse, just going to say that one. That first verse uh, tickled me a little bit. Yeah, I, I think, I, actually, I think that's probably one of his best lyrics. That's really good. It's really In good. Fact, it's probably my favorite song on the album. Actually. Wow. Yeah. But um, I like it from the point of view that it's not someone talking about the guillotine, it's Madame Guillotine speaking to you. Like, yeah. Pleased to meet you, you know. Yeah. Come here, I'm going to cut your head off, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like the, it. It's quite menacing, actually, you know. Yeah. Well, the rhyme scheme with Marie Antoinette rhymes with debt and almost head and almost, yeah. you know, it has all of these yeah. great. Yeah. It's really wide open, and and I just wasn't expecting you know those words to like build, and it yeah. builds nice into the pre-chorus and chorus with that yeah. type of a like stair a ladder, if you will. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, again, as I say, I think that's um, one of his best lyrics. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I want to take this time to also talk about you know to you about Biff, if that's all right. Sure. I. And he's, you know, not a, a young chicken and he, his voice is sounding better than ever. And I'm really kind of, um, jealous, sort, sort of jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when I grow up, I want to be Biff Byford. How's that? So it turns it, it it just turns out that that uh, I I really am a uh, you know a champion for you know like uh, singers that have been doing it pretty much their whole life you know yeah. since they were a teen and yeah. uh, continue to sing and write and and perfect and work on it goes with any instrument sure. But a singer, a, it's very personal. You know, the voice is the human yeah. touch, the the sort of the 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 face of the sound of an artist or a band yeah. or whatever of of a yeah. record, really, of sure. a song. So yeah, he's just fucking killing it. Uh, yeah, his tone, his range. Uh, you know, you think about Brian Johnson, and he, he, even though when you get Brian on a great day. He uh he's not back in black, Brian. You know, right? But he can he he musters up a kick ass. I love Power Up. I love that record. Me and Dave both love that last ACDC. It's been some years back now, but he yeah. sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, everybody has the good day and the bad day. But just as far as a studio recording, there's nothing. I'm for, I've heard about half the record so far. Okay. And uh, he just sounds amazing. Is there anything that he does before studio or just warm ups or or this may be something I've never asked before about Biff and his voice and his process? No, I mean you know he um, he does do like little warm ups and stuff when before we're going on stage. But I mean not a lot. But we you know yeah. For instance, if we if we do a sound check, we we'll probably just sing one song. Yeah, I mean, I like to get up there and have a blast, you know. Sure. So, and then I get up there before the the stringers, as I call them, the guitarists. I get up there so I can have a bit of peace and quiet before they get up there, so I can just have a bit of a practice and stuff. And then they come up, and get their sounds and everything, and then Biff will come up, and we'll probably play maybe one or two songs. Yeah. At the most. In a sound check. Okay. So that's probably what he does. That's probably his warm up. 
you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, and again, I think a lot of it live is down to the monitoring. Yeah. How you hear yourself. So, I mean, he's on in ears. Yeah. Um, but I think generally his voice, I think, yeah, I agree with you. His voice definitely has got better. It's As he's got older, he's got that rasp in it, and that's what I like. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, not a, so, it's not so clean as it used to be. It's rasping, it, and uh, even though, you know, he's still got the range, but there's that yeah. rasp. Well, I like yeah. I'm hearing, yeah, uh, on top of that, pretty much the same thing. I'm hearing tones from his voice that yeah. I don't recall. I mean, it, it's it's fucking Biff. It sounds like yeah. Biff, but there's something else going on. Yeah. And I just wondered if that's just, you know, the the I'll, I'll call it the wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, he has the wisdom now in his tone. And it's yeah. just because he's, yeah. he's been doing it. Uh, you know, he's been showing everybody else how to do it for so long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you compare his tone, for instance, I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but I mean, you compare his tone from something like Innocence is No Excuse to Now. Yeah. His tone's a lot heavier. Yeah. You know, and it's there's more attack on it, I think, because yeah. it's, it's not so pure. Right. There's like this dirt in it. Yeah. Well, like I said, he's telling stories. He's yeah. got stories to tell now that he didn't have back on that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to take this time to, uh, it was just yesterday I was cutting a vocal for a cover of Machine Gun that my band Igniter is doing. Uh-huh. We just covered Machine Gun, and I did a, <laughs> it's just a demo I'm working with. It's not quite done. It's got guitars, and, and it's got the drum machine on it, but in a week yeah. it'll be, it'll have everything on it, but... It's interesting that we were going to talk to you today, and I, 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 that one had come up in the queue for me to to work on. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you something that that's uh, was a lot of work for old Jason. That was a lot of <laughs> a lot of work. So I have a new. That's why when I was listening to, you know, Hellfire and Damnation, I'm like, God damn, the guy is. You know, I got to catch up. You know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, great, great job to Biff on this. Uh, yeah. What's the song that has uh, Nib starting it on a bass line? Which one is that? Is that? Um, I think that could be Madame Guillotine, isn't it? Yeah, it's Madame Guillotine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then Brian comes in with the guitars yeah. under it. So and that's then very. And, and Andy Sneap found this great sample of a guillotine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then it stops. Yeah, I love that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've worked with Andy now for a number of albums. Yeah. Um, that chemistry is also working out very well, I oh, think. Oh, God, yeah. Great. Really yeah. cool. Really cool. So, um, he did, so he did you guys' record before the new Accept or right after? The, do you know? Just by God. chance. I think he started working on it before or during, you know, he, he sort of swaps around and goes, okay. for instance, we might be doing drum tracks, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and then we'll send the drum tracks to, to Andy. Okay. So he might be working on those sounds, you know, and, and, and uh, maybe he's got some basic guitars in there as well. So it's all, stuff's all sort of split up all over the place. You know, I see. Which, which in a way is pretty good because it means you get a break from one thing for a while, then you can come back to it and listen to it again. But he's, I mean, when we're doing the drums, for instance, he's always sending me um, like wabs and stuff of, of the drum sound so I can hear what's going on. And so we communicate all the time with that. Yeah, that keeps your, your ears and your head fresh on what, yeah. you're, what you want to say and the big yeah. picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I want to cool. echo uh, Jason's point about uh, Biff and his vocals sounding so great still all these years later. But your drumming uh, is phenomenal on this record. That the song "Fire and Steel" is that that's a workout, man. And I know tell, you tell me about it. Yeah, and you just <laughs> celebrated a birthday, and people can look it up if they want to find you know find out how old you are. But you are playing at a phenomenal level for a man your age. I was trying to figure out is is there anyone in heavy metal that is playing with that much stamina and that much attack and that much double kick and all those fast fills uh, 
and I couldn't come up with anyone. The only one I could think of was maybe Nico McBrain. And I, I, I don't even know. I, I, I think you've got him beat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, I don't, I don't know if Nico is as thrashy as, uh, yeah, as, I, not, I as Nigel is. Sometime. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Tell us about fire and steel though. Cause that, that's a workout. That's a, that's a drum attack. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's like sort of you know once you sort of get the speed going, it's it's funny. It's once I get sort of doing backing tracks, right, um, and I get limbered up, and I think right, you know, is this far? And it's just like I'll just go for it. I mean, it has been. I'll tell you a funny story about that sort of the double sort of kick drum thing. Years ago, we were we were touring Sweden. I think it was. And we were there for about three weeks or something. And um, in those days, you know, the tour buses weren't quite so luxurious as as they are. So if someone, you know, you were trying to get to sleep and someone was up playing bloody music all night, you know, um, they kept you awake. Yeah. You know, so we had, so there was a certain party going on in the back of the bus. And I thought, you know, and we were doing this, um, we were doing this medley. I think it had like Warrior in it. Um, all this really fast double kick drum stuff, you know, triplets and like really fast. And uh, they'd kept me up, like, so I'd hardly got any sleep. And I thought, right, I'll show you buggers, you know. And uh, so every time we sort of segued into the next part of the bloody, um, you know, the, the track, I upped the tempo just very slightly. I just pushed it. And the poor guitarists were like trying to play these triplets with my kit. And they were looking around at me going, ah! And I was going, take that, you bastard, you know. <laughs> so it's just like, if you're going for it, I can go for it, you know. Yep. Yeah, so you do know. you... I mean, I couldn't do a whole set like that. That would be ridiculous. Sure, sure. But you, I, I pay attention to your drumming on, on each new Saxon album because to me, your drumming is a highlight of the Saxon sound. So my ears kind of go towards the drums when I listen to Saxon, maybe more so than when I listen to other bands. Right. So I'm I'm kind of studying them. Oh. And you, 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 well, you've, you've just gotten better and better, much like Jason said about Biff. And, and I'm not just saying that because you're on our show today, but I think it's really I mean, the drums, the drums have been fantastic the last few albums. Do you do you play on a daily basis just to stay loose or no. what's your routine? No, I don't. I've no. got a practice pad, but I'm not one of these guys that can. I mean, maybe I should. But I'm not one of these guys that goes into a rehearsal room and plays for three or four hours every day. Yeah. Um, I just, it's just something I've never done. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 unless I was starting out, then obviously I did that because I was learning stuff, you know, before I turned pro. You know, it was the old drum kit in the bedroom and terrify the dogs and annoy the parents and, <laughs> you know, that was it. And... Uh, it was funny, actually. We had a couple of Jack Russells, and um, they knew what noise the drums made, and they used to come up to, you know, see, oh, where's, you know, where's Nigel? What's he doing? And they'd walk into my bedroom. As soon as they saw me walk towards the drums, I didn't even have to touch it. They were gone. Yeah. Because they knew what was coming. <laughs> I have that I have that at my house. As, as you know, my son plays drums, and, and yeah. he, his kid is upstairs, but if he sits down at the kit and just gets his – his foot on the on the on the kick pedal yeah just you know taps it that one time yeah cat takes off oh she, yeah they know they he know, knows they what's know. coming next they know, they know. <laughs> but no i have you know i just sort of and and the other thing is i think well for me personally sometimes if i'm away from it when i get back to the drums it's like oh great exciting yeah mm. yeah you know That's because right. i've been away from it that much i mean maybe i wouldn't feel that if i was playing every day Right. You know, right. maybe I should be. You know, I'm sure there's people out there going, lazy bastards, you know, you should be bloody playing every day. What's this, you know? But I don't know. It works for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say it's it's working just fine. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, tell us about, I, I think the album cover yeah. is maybe the best Saxon mm -hmm. album cover ever. I love wow. the cover. Okay. That's and that's so, that, as a as a fan, a, a long in the tooth fan. I I'd have might have to fight you on that. Uh -oh. uh, the because uh, <laughs> because there's something different about the art. I mean, <clears throat> having something relative to 
your last record and having a thing like Iron Maiden where you have a mascot or an emblem or, you know, um, I can understand why you would want to do something different artistically on what people see as the sort of widget or image for something fresh that just as long as it has your recognizable logo. Yeah. Fantastic. But I, I agree with Dave to the idea that it's unbelievable, but I, Dave, that's big word saying it might be your favorite, favorite piece of art. I know. I know it's a bold statement, but I'll stand behind it. I was blown away when I saw I love the the artwork itself and the color scheme. I love the the red pops off the gray. Yeah, it's very eye catching. And the artwork itself is amazing. So, again, I don't have my copy. Uh, It's it's in the mail. But I did some research and I looked up the artist's name is a guy named uh, Pete. Peter Soleil, Soleil. I'm not, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but apparently he's done album covers for Wasp and Creator oh, okay. and Sabaton yeah. and Satyricon. Um, so I wanted to give him a little shout because I think yeah. the album artwork, I'm going to need a shirt with that on it because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I would wear that. Do you remember the, any discussions about the artwork or the first time? No, you we were, I mean, we were just seeing sort of bits and bobs as, as it was gradually progressing, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, I think, I think the sort of title gave gave way to what the artwork was going to have to be. Yeah, sure. you, know, you couldn't have Hellfire and Damnation and five guys sitting around a bloody pub, could you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Well, you could, you, you you know it was on fire or something. But, yeah, but, not, uh, you know, not sure no, who owns. It, oh. it just lent itself. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you, and it's it's modern enough as well. I mean. You know, depending on what uh, age it was, you know, the uh, the you know Leonardo da Vinci could have could have whipped something up for you guys that would have been perfect with that title, you yeah. know, and an artist like that. But but sure. having a younger uh, hip kind of artist also made your cover actually. And I know that it, it's not cool to say these types of things because usually fans don't think about this. But if your album cover, your new album cover is going to pop up next to the other guy's album covers, yeah. you yeah. want your album cover to be yeah, uh, a, out, definitely. attractive in the in the ways yeah. that other albums. So so using a even if he's not a popular artist, using an artist that's worked with some of the either up and coming or bands that have been around, like some of the bands that David mentioned that this this yeah. artist has done, I think yeah. that it was a grand decision. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's funny, you're talking about album covers, it's like, I mean, my favourite album cover ever of any band, because it pops, and and I think it was due to the time when it came out, is Disraeli Gears by Cream. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. That yeah. is still my favourite album cover ever. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's all that sort of fluorescent pink, red, green, yellow. Right. Yeah. And all that sort of psychedelic bubble writing, as they used to call it. I just love that album cover. Yeah. yeah. We've mentioned this on the show numerous times, but yeah, I don't think you can underestimate the value of a good looking logo, a great looking album cover, a great, yeah. a, a great sounding title. And I think you guys nailed all that with, with this particular album. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing is as well, you have a good cover. You know, it, if you've got a great cover, it'll look great on a T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it all goes part and parcel, you know. Yeah. yeah. So you're getting ready uh, now that the album is out. Um, yeah. You're just a few weeks away from starting a tour, and you yeah. go out with uh, Judas Priest in Europe first for a month. We're well, then... in the UK first. UK, then we head to Europe. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an arena tour with Priest with special guests on there and uh, Uriah Heap opening. Yeah. And you're going to be in the States uh, April and May? Yeah, that's just with, that's a co-headline with Uriahi. Right. So you've toured, obviously, with Judas Priest uh, many, many times. What, yeah. what's, your, what's your best Judas Priest story? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, it's a, I haven't really got one, to be quite honest with it. Oh, there was one, actually, I've got to say. Um, our old Scott, you know, he changed his... Uh, he changed his drum kit, but one of one of the um, he got really pissed off because one his one of his small toms hadn't arrived with the new kit and it was a different colour. 
So he had this one Tom that was a different colour, and he was really pissed off about that. <laughs> he won't mind me saying that. I'm sure he won't. But nah. you know, but no, I mean, great. You know, we get on with them brilliantly. You know, that's a, that's a great pair. I, I, yes. I wish you know we saw you together with Judas Priest and Black Star Riders a few years ago here in the yeah. States. And, and I think uh, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say we would welcome that tour back any time. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, mean, a lot of people have been saying as soon as this tour was announced, I'll oh, bring it to the States, bring it to the States, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. But we'll see you in May uh, here in yeah. Texas. And uh, Uriah Heap, that's a great that's a great pairing, too. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, there'll be some shows, you know, where they're more popular, they'll be closing. And um, other shows where you know we'll be closing, we'll both be playing the same amount of time. And as far as I know, there's no support band, so it's just an evening with us. Yeah, wow. that's great. That's awesome. Um, when you're out on tour, what's the one thing you must have when you're on the road? Beer. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, that makes perfect sense. No, actually. Um, Actually, you know, if you're playing like a thunderous set, I mean, the most important thing for me is sleep. Yeah. You know. And how do you get quality sleep on a tour bus? Oh, I can now. The rocking of the bus, I can sleep like a baby on there, you know. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the sort of thing is, you know, after we've done a gig, you know, we'll get on there and I, I think a few few bottles of beer will get cracked or some wine, you know, red wine or something. So, you know, we get a bit merry and then and then crash out. And you know, I actually prefer being on a tour bus than staying in hotels mm. because because uh, at least with a tour, you know, after the adrenaline, you've had a drink or whatever, it might be like two o'clock, three o'clock before I go to bed. Right. Now, with a hotel, I've got probably have to get up at eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, travel to the next gig. Right. Whereas this way, I can just sleep. And if necessary, if I'm really tired, I, I can stay in bed until lunchtime or, or until sound check. Yeah, yeah, shower at the venue. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Just go in, shower, whatever. And and I generally actually after um, after we've done a sound check and, and eaten at a gig, I might go back on the bus and have an hour power nap before we go on. Yeah. yeah. So you know how how big of a production do you take out on the road? For, I'm sure it varies depending on the country or the territory or whatever. Yeah. But say, for for those of us that are going to see you in the United States, when Saxon's on the road, how many buses and trucks and whatnot are you? Oh, I mean, there'll be. I mean, generally, we tra you know we'll, we'll travel. We like traveling with the crew, so we'll be on a bus with our crew. Yeah. Okay. We like travel. You know, we like them. We're bringing. You know, some of our guys will be coming over from Europe with us. There'll be a couple of guys. You know, I've got a drum tech over here that works with me whenever i'm in the states yeah and um but no we like to travel with the crew on the bus you know are you are you living in the states are you living in the states currently me yeah i'm in yeah. dallas yeah in yeah dallas. yeah okay just yeah. making sure so yeah. how many how many people total is on that bus then uh, it varies you know it's i mean then you know i mean be, you know we bring a front of house guy a guitar tech Maybe two guitar techs, a drum tech, you know. That's a little crap. Maybe one of the guitar techs would be a monitor guy as well, you yeah. know. Um, we're bringing a lighting guy with us. But, I mean, there's not that many. It's not like sort of, you know, Iron maiden size crew. Right, right. You know, because we're using a lot of in-house PAs yeah. and stuff like that. So you don't need a big PA crew. They're the ones that actually – it's the riggers and the PA crews that take up all the the numbers. Yeah. When you get to a, like a personal thing within the band and, you know, personal sort of text for the band, it doesn't, it's not that many. When, uh, so do you, are, do you have the band all acclimated to uh, stopping at every Bucky's along the way now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, Gina was talking to me about this. She said, I started that with bands you know, yeah. wearing Bucky stuff, and now all, all bands go in there and get their pictures in Bucky's. And Gina said, "You started that, so I feel quite proud. Maybe they should give me some free shirts." I think I've been like, saying this yeah. all along. They need to endorse you. you, you <laughs> or, or life, free lifetime beef jerky or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
Do they carry electric jellyfish? Maybe they could help you out there. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> so there when was we... somebody there was somebody on uh, just the one thing about Bucky's. There's like yeah. yesterday or day before there was a a writer like a travel uh, review. A journalist uh, wrote yeah. an article about. I didn't click on it and read the whole thing, but the the title said enough. And they were not a fan of Bucky's. They said Bucky's was the. It's so crazy and busy and smelly and takes to. You're fighting for parking. You're fighting for to get a drink. You're fighting for. You stand in line. You're you know the restrooms are blah blah. Just went on and on and on about. Well, I don't know which Bucky's he's been in. Yeah, right. <clears throat> right. I don't know. I think that they were, they were just, I think you nailed it. They're in the wrong Bucky's. Yeah. You know, they're a wrong time of day. Uh, that's a bad oh, look. Yeah. They get, I mean, they get crowded. Yeah. yeah sure. sure. I mean, the, sure. the restrooms are like some of the best restrooms I've been in on, yeah. you know, on a, on a motorway sort of. Yeah. Traffic. I was going to yeah. say, even, even on at the busiest time of day, you know, what midday on a Saturday, you know, fuck, yeah. it's a, it's yeah. I, sure. Everybody knows it's a Walmart type truck stop yeah but, but i've never had that bad of an experience where i walked away and went i'm never going there ever. You no know, never no, it didn't never. make any sense to me and i no. but I, I thought of you i was like i wonder what nige would think about oh, this yeah. oh here's, here's one for yeah a friend of mine um he was the bass player in um iced earth mm -hmm. for a while um he texted me the other day, and we were just sort of texting, saying hi and whatever, because he's in Arizona. Apparently, Arizona is getting the Buckies. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's going to be the biggest one. Bastard, you know. <laughs> well, that's what he says anyway. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where, Jason, I don't know where that came from, but I've I've often said Bucky's is the model of efficiency. You can pull up yeah, in the parking You pull up in that parking lot, there could be 10,000 cars in that parking lot, and you'll be in it. You'll be in and out of that thing in less yeah. than three minutes. And how many gas pumps are there? A hundred. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it could have been where this 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 certain journalist was trying to park where they wanted to park. You can't always park where you want to park. If you want to park in the front row, yeah, because you because yeah. you got to go. Yeah, you know you can't do that anywhere. So yeah. it just could yeah. have been. You can't please everyone. Fuck right. No. No. <laughs> enough, enough on Bucky's. Uh Nigel, I wanted you to share the story that you shared with me the other night uh about Freddie Mercury because Jason is a big Queen fan and I knew he he would get a kick out of this. You, you oh, about what, when we were in the studio. Yeah, you almost had a chance to go party with him yeah, or something. Yeah, I know. It was it was um we were well how it was like yeah, GTR. We were routining routining the tracks for, for the second GTR album. And uh, I think we were in John Henry's or something like a rehearsal place, come studio in London. And um, Freddie was in a Freddie was in a studio. I think he might have been in Psalm West, you know, one of the big studios. I think um, he was working in there, and he sent his driver up to come to our studio because he wanted us to go back and party with him. <laughs> right, and I was, you know, I'm a big Queen fan as well, and I was like, oh yeah. And I was so pissed off because Steve, Steve Howe turned around and said, no, we can't. We haven't got time. We've got to work. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the stories you could tell at that point. Oh, man. Yeah. After, after that. Yeah. <laughs> did I read somewhere? I didn't. I don't think I knew this. Did I read somewhere that you did two albums with Paul Diano and Dennis Stratton? Yeah, there was a, uh, there was, um, I did, there was an album called there were Two Iron Man Albums. Um, and it was funny. There was this sort of this little sort of clique of people, um, guys in oh god, what was his name? Um, can't remember now. Um, but there was like Dennis and yeah, Paul, and there were the guys from um, Fastway, not the original Fastway, but later on, and, and everything sort of you know people ended up going in the studio playing on other people's tracks and then suddenly it would come out someone else was playing on it but but the guitarist that was on it was on the other track and it was just so all these albums kept coming out you know and the, and the paul diano stuff was was on it yeah he's great i get on with paul brilliantly i sort of we um, met up with him i think it was a festival a couple of years ago or whatever and we had breakfast and stuff so nice guy great awesome 
Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. And so I was curious to know if that was sort of a, a, a real collaboration or if you guys were just, you know, sending tracks from across the country and you never Oh, no, I was actually in the studio. Yeah, okay. I went into the studio and, and did it, you know. I'm surprised those albums didn't get any real recognition because I'd never heard of them. I'm a big Maiden fan, but I never knew Paul Diano and Dennis Stratton did something after their time in Maiden. So and the, then, yeah, the, yeah. The well, project... Dennis, didn't Dennis have a band? He was in a band called Lionheart or something, wasn't he? Or something? Oh, okay, yeah. I think so. That yeah, sounds that familiar. sounds familiar. I might yeah, even have... With, um, <clears throat> with the bass player Rocky. From Tigers of Pantang? No, not no, not Rocky not, from not no. Rocky Tiger. He's a solicitor now. What is a solicitor? A lawyer. A lawyer. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Wow. But um but now all this thing with Dennis Stratton. So it was like, you know, Dennis would be there in the studio sometimes and then, you know, Paul would be there and and we were just like in and out doing tracks, you know, it was like the sort of production line. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to look those up. And I those records are, or the project was called Iron Men. Yeah. Yeah. But there, oh. were two, there were two ones called Iron, Iron, Iron Man, Iron Men, something like that. Okay. I don't even, I can't even remember what label they okay. came out. So I'm okay. quite honest with I you. think it's called the original Iron Men or two original Iron That's Men. That's it. Could be. Yeah. It could be that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. That was a long time ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. That yeah. Was, I mean, I, it was all around the same time as well. It was, um, we did, uh, Nibs and I, we, um, through the same producers and everything, we ended up um, playing on this Japanese album. And uh, it was for this sort of Japanese manga or whatever, cartoon thing or whatever you call it. And it was, I think because studios in Japan at the time, maybe probably still now, were so expensive, Japanese musicians work really fast, mm -hmm. right? So we were in this studio and we had 12 tracks to do, uh -oh. right? And we'd never heard any of it. So it was like I learned one track, went in, did the drums. Nibs was learning that track. He went in, did the bass, and while I was learning the second track, as soon as he'd finished, I was straight in. We did 12 tracks in a day. <laughs> Wow. It was like it was manic. I was exhausted by the end of that. I tell you, <laughs> what? you're no stranger to that. I mean, that's kind of how you got the Saxon gig. If we go all the way back, you. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, when we were out the other night, I've been hanging onto this album for uh -oh. for years, and and Nigel was kind enough to sign it for me. And on the back of this album, uh, I'm holding up the live album, "The Eagle Has Landed." And uh, on the back, there's all kinds of fun facts about how many sticks he went through, how much alcohol was consumed, how many trucks were on the road, how much, you know, how, how many cables, et cetera. Tea bags, uh, tea bags, tea bags, tea yeah, bags. Tea bags. Yeah. And on the back, of course, is a very young Nigel Glockler uh, pictured with his bandmates. But Nigel told me a great story about this album and how this how you came to be on this album and how little time you had to basically get this all sorted out before you recorded it. <laughs> Share that story with us. Yeah, well, I mean, as I say, you know, I had, I mean, people know this one. I had two, I had two days to learn the whole setting um, before the first gig. I mean, I hadn't, fit, I hadn't joined them at that time. I was just helping them out for, a, a, originally, it was just meant to be a week. And um, because Pete Gill had injured his hand or done something to it. And, um, at the end of at the end of that week, I think it was, they said, um, "No, we want you to join properly." So I did, and then they said, "Oh, by the way, in two weeks we're recording a live album." I went, "What?" <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the kicker right there. Oh my god, it was like great. Yeah, you know? yeah, you couldn't you couldn't fake it, and you couldn't fake it anymore. You, oh, no, I got I, I got through the gig. By the way, we're recording live in two. Oh shit! I yeah, you know. exactly. I mean, we did, you know, we recorded two Hammersmith shows. I think it was two Hammersmith mm. shows. And, and then after, just so just so we had sort of more sort of variation, we went back, I think it was early in the new year and later that year and, and you know, in 82 and recorded at uh, another couple of shows. So they're on there. So I think there's three three venues on that album. But I think most of it comes from Hammersmith, actually. And it's the, the Denim and Leather tour, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, do you remember who your support bands were on that on that tour? 
Riot. Riot. Ooh, that's a good bill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Riot and Saxon during the denim and leather era. Yeah, that would have been. Uh, I saw Riot and Saxon at the Austin Opera House. Right. And that was amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable uh, U.S. run that you guys did with Riot. Uh, and I think that could have been. Uh, that wasn't with Rhett Forrester. That was still with Guy Speranza, right? That was still Fire when Down in, Under. In Europe, it was, but we did some. Uh, definitely, we definitely did some shows when Rhett was in the band as well. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Restless Breed, right? Yeah. So I, Fire Down Under and Restless Breed. Yeah, yeah that Far was, Down Under was Far Down Under was the album they had out when they supported us. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. They started. I think they started with Swords and Tequila. I think for something. Uh, as they should. They should yeah. should end with it too, probably. <laughs> so nice, so nice. Would they played it twice? Yeah. <laughs> Nigel's been on stage with Riot to play that song, haven't you? Didn't you? Not do that song. No. 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 Okay. No, we went down. It was um, San Antonio. I went down to see them in San Antonio, and uh, I got up and played denim and leather with them. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So I that, knew was, that was great. Had a bit of a panic though. It was like, yeah, great. Okay. And uh, just before we were going, I noticed their drummer played open-handed. Basically, he played the hi hat with his left hand mm -hmm. rather than his right hand. So his mm -hmm. hi hat was like really low down. It was just before I was like, get, get that bloody hi hat up for Christ's sake! Because <laughs> that was a last-minute panic, you know. <laughs> Oh man! No, that was good fun though. That was with that was with, I think they were Riot Five. I think they were called. Yeah, with Donnie and those guys. Yeah, yeah. with Donnie. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Cool. So the, one of the cool things that about uh, the other night when we're sitting around, you know, me and Nigel are having some food and some beer and there's music in the background. And one of the cool things about having him sitting right next to me is if something comes on, I can ask him if he's got any stories about what the band that we're listening to, and so cheap trick came on Ooh. and i asked him if he had any cheap trick stories and he told me that they actually toured together and i did not know that yeah yeah we wow. did, did a load of shows with, with cheap trick during 82 that yeah. was okay that would have been the power and the glory album uh no no it was still the that's sort of still life. Found the glory it was 83 83 okay we so with maiden on that now no cheap trick was 80 i think it was 82 and they didn't have um, they didn't have the original bass player. Tom Peterson wasn't with them. They had the other bass right. player. Yeah. And, and that... uh, who was on the middle? Initially, when we joined the tour, Crocus were in the middle. Oh, cool. But then later on, Aldenova joined, and he just had that massive fur, and everywhere just went mad after that. Sold out everywhere. Wow. Wow. You know. Yeah. But, um, Very yeah, interesting. No, great, great band. Got on with them. Really great. In fact, Bunny nearly drummed for us one night. Really? Yeah, because I got pneumonia. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I, got, I, got, I got taken to hospital, and the doctor said, um, yeah, you've got pneumonia. I mean, it literally felt like someone was digging a bayonet into my, one of my lungs. Uh-oh. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and uh, so I, I, I came back in, and they, apparently they'd asked Bunny, in case I didn't come back, if he could do the gig. <laughs> so he was learning like the tracks, but apparently he sat up on my drum kit and went, "What the fuck?" Because <laughs> he only played little four piece. Right? Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't play. <laughs> but, the, you know, four yeah. marks to the guy for doing it. I think that's great that he oh, that he would do it. But in the end, sure. I did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've had some interesting uh, tours. I was surprised to hear about Cheap Trick, and of course, we're we're familiar with. Uh, I think the first time you came to America, you were supporting. Uh, Molly Hatchet, or they were supporting. Yeah, my, first, my first tour. Was yeah, that's Molly when Hatchet. that's yeah. when I I first met you, uh, March seventeenth, nineteen eighty two. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah, Palm Auditorium, Saxon, uh -huh. Saxon, and some band called Molly Hatchet. Yes, <laughs> that yeah. was a bit of a weird, a, a weird sort of a combination. That well, was if I may, I you know I didn't have any, I didn't have any, I, I didn't want to have anything to do with Molly Hatchet because I was such a a fan of Saxon and I couldn't believe that, you know, uh, a band from the movement, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal was finally coming through, 
uh, in 82. And then, you know, Raven brought Metallica, you know, shortly after. And then the whole dam started to break. And I was happy yeah. uh, with that. But but me and my friends were just over the top about seeing Saxon. You, it, you guys could have been opening for Tiny Tim and we still would have been, you know, just <laughs> But the point, the point is, is uh, later in my years, I learned to appreciate some Molly Hatchet. I mean, those guys can play, and they had some oh, yeah. great fucking yeah. songs, man. Yeah, they were. I mean, yeah. the drummer was great. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Uh, Flirting with Disaster has monster guitar riffs in it. The solos yeah. are shredding. They play harmonies like Thin Lizzy. Yeah. You know, no, you're a, right. They were... They were overlooked because they were a bit of a, a bit too southern rock for a lot of yeah. headbangers, yeah. you know. But yeah, man, the shit's good. Shit's good. Yeah, no, didn't um, didn't Dave Lubeck go to Skinner or something like that, or I another think so. band or Blackfoot or something? Or yeah, I think uh, that, that Ricky Medlock. Ricky Medlock is that's right. Ricky Medlock. But, but he's in Skinner. Yeah, he's been in Skinner yeah. off and on for the whole almost the whole time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They have a say, they have a want... club of guitar players that they take. You yeah, know, they have a certain. They have that's a small club, but they have a club of guitar players. I yeah. Think. yeah, yeah, but no, that was yeah, that was a that was a funny sort of thing. Us and Hatchet, though. Yeah, and then of course during the, during that year as well, we did we did gigs with um, Triumph. Mm, okay. Yeah. okay, so we were like jumping. Say we do four or five gigs with Triumph, then we go to cheap trick or something and then maybe we did a couple of shows with ufo perfect right st louis we played in ufo um and then rainbow oh. so we were all and then back to triumph again it was weird that whole year was bizarre yeah. <laughs> gotta stay on the road <laughs> gotta stay in front of people um so you are considered one of the one of the best at what you do in the in the heavy metal genre. One of the best drummers. Who out there is up and coming? Who? What young drummers do you see out there that impress you? Oh God, why do you have to ask me that? <laughs> That's yeah. what I do. <laughs> I mean, they're just so many, so many great players. You know, they really are. And I don't just listen to metal. You know, I listen to right all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've really put me on the point here. I can't. To be quite honest with you, I couldn't I couldn't name anyone yeah, off the top of my head. I'll yeah, get that, into this later. Yeah, yeah. you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean there really are some great drummers out there. You know, yeah, yeah, really good. Um, I get a little disappointed with all the uh, the YouTubers. Yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, but hey, you know, if they're sort of having fun, that's what. The basic thing is music should be fun. Yeah. Right. I think it should be. If you're not enjoying it, don't bother doing it. You know, so these guys are having fun going on YouTube. I mean, I've seen some of these guys and they play so fast. It's like, oh, yeah. but, but how about playing for the song and grooving a bit? Yeah, write a song. Yeah, or, right. or groove. Yeah, and it's right. all very well, yeah. you know, uh, again, um, I think it's great that you can get, you know, some young kid and he does a run through of someone else's track. But, you know, that's very, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, particularly a lot of the, um, like Japanese kids and everything. I mean, I mean, it's been, that's been like this for years, you know, they're, they're amazing at copying, shall we say, right. you know, other people's tracks. But I, I sort of think, yeah, but you're playing someone else's drum part, write your own. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that to me is the sort of not knocking them as such. Because right. I think it's amazing that these kids have learned to do this. Yeah. But at the same time, let's see what you can do on your own, what you can come up with. Yeah. Yeah. If they, that, you know I mean? if they use oh, that, if they use that as a building block, then then that's fine. But yeah, just to mimic someone, you know, with, you know, constantly is counterproductive you know, i mean the, the one the, the one that was amazing i remember i mean it's quite old now in fact i think he plays with beyonce or something is this uh black drummer called uh, tony royster jr there's okay. a video of him on youtube and i think he i can't remember whether he was 9 10 or 11 something like this and he said and he walked on and he said i'm dedicating this solo to tony williams you know great 
jazz drummer. Mm-hmm. And this kit just bangs it. It's brilliant. Wow. I mean, I recommend anyone to watch it. For a kid that age to play like that, I was like, whoa. And he's doing it all himself. That's his own interpretation of everything. Wow. What's his he's name? Not copying, he's not copying anyone. What's his name again? Uh, Tony Royster Jr. He's a really big, well-known clinician now. Okay. And I think he plays with Beyonce or something like that. Or, you know, no, he's, I mean, he's phenomenal now. I mean, but, you know, at, at that age, it was stunning. So you can imagine what he's like now. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a guy. There's a guy that it sounds like the same kind of a story that you're telling. And, and I don't know the cat's name, but I think that he's. I've seen him not not live, but just on videos and and big yeah. productions on on television and such. Uh, that plays with Lady Gaga. Right. And he has a giant kit, and he he's playing like a metal drummer. <clears throat> right. But, you know, when he does like solo bits or she'll introduce him and I feel bad, yeah. I don't know the kid's name, but right. he's unbelievable. He's super tight. Uh, yeah. You know, of course, he's playing pop music, R&B influenced pop music with Lady yeah. Gaga. But at the same time, he's just ripping the whole time and he's got double kick and a lot of toms and he's, yeah. he's, yeah. he's very tasty yeah. uh, and knows what he's doing and could probably play any style and I would imagine is very creative, but I don't think he's a YouTuber, so he's got that going for him. So yeah, no, that's great. And, and, and I mean, another great drummer. Uh, I think he's Austrian. Um, is the drummer that plays with Depeche Mode? Mm. He's brilliant. Wow. Yeah. You know. You know who? Who else is the guy that plays for Sticks? That guy. Uh, oh, Todd. Todd Zuckerman. Yeah, there, there you he's go. He's great. He's yeah. stunning. Yeah. He is absolutely stunning. Yeah. Someone brought him to my attention and I watched some videos yeah. on YouTube and I couldn't believe it. I was like, this guy plays with sticks. Wow. Yeah. He's really. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's some great, there's some really great players out there. You know, well, you know I'm, what they say? You know what they say, Nigel? If your drummer, if your drummer sucks, your band sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are the engine room, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's the truth, though. You you know, everybody out front can be half-assing it, but if that drummer's the number one uh, on top of their game, your yeah. band is probably pretty awesome. If your I mean, drummer, it's, you know, it's that's. I think that's the pressure on a drummer when they're when we're recording. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to put that those baseboards down of every new song. Yeah, because yeah. if that's right, then what goes on tops the icing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not the icing, but you know what I mean. It just, but there's got to be that building block underneath. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's right. terrible. So it's that- <clears throat> it's terrible news. It's terrible news. But I'll I'll pull the veil off. There's there's a lot of 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 rock fans. I'll just be generic about it. Okay. That have no idea that the the drummer has on on their favorite record. It's high possibility that their their favorite band on their favorite record used a drum machine yeah it wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me at all yep. i mean um, they leave that information off the record but yeah probably I mean, you, use because you, you, you can generally well, tell yeah well we we can we yeah. can for sure <clears throat> yeah yeah no don't no i agree with you then i mean Yes, I know a few. I knew, know a few albums that have got that sort of thing on them. <laughs> we shall say no more about yeah, that. Of yeah. course, but, uh, of course. You know, it's. But again, you know, as I say, you know, the, the building block's got to be the drums. The drums, yes. which is why we, we. I mean, we sort of mess around when we're doing tracks. We mess around with tempos, just yeah. to make sure it all sits. And I always play to a click track in the studio. And yeah, always. I mean, that's that's sort of been instilled in me since the Toya days. Yeah, but I also, because back in the sort of early eighties, late seventies, I used to have to play with sequences. Mm-hmm, and there's yeah. nothing worse than drums being off with a sequencer. You've got to be dead on that sequencer, dead yeah. on it. No yeah, flaming beats, nothing. Because it's a robot. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and you've got to be dead on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's a good. Uh, it's a great tool for a drummer to learn how to weave. <clears throat> How to how to find the pocket by playing slightly behind, you yeah. know that the click, not not a sequencer, which is just basically yeah. a loop a loop drum track. Yeah, 
Uh, but learning how to play just behind the click and then yeah. for, you know, in the verses and such, yeah, and, and then, then in pushing the, it for the chorus. Yeah. And then in the chorus being slightly on top. So yeah. that waiver, then, the human ear ca- can't really tell. And then pull it back a little again. To know relax, how to do that. Yeah. To know how to do that, that goes back to that thing that we, we all agreed on that if, yeah, if you can do that, you'll, if you're a drummer and you can do that, you'll always have a gig. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm sure we've we've mentioned him before, but I say that you know the the great groove merchant for me is Phil Rudd. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not the guitar riff that gets you tapping your foot. As soon as Rudd comes in, you're off. You're tapping. Yeah, yeah. he's there. He's on it. Bang. Yeah, yeah. The best yeah. and the and the best, you know, uh, over the top drummers in the world all come back to like Phil Rudd or even old Peter Chris, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just the things that they were doing. And even, of course, uh, uh, Ringo. And Charlie Watts. Charlie, I was going right, to say right. Charlie Watts, actually, where, yeah. Where, where they are sitting in the song is vital. And and probably yeah. probably 90% of the records that, and, you know, before the 80s, probably, there's no click track. No. You just no. have to be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be good. There was yeah. a time yeah. you had to be talented. You just yeah. had to be good. No, oh, it was uh, funny because I mean, you know, I mean, I never sort of really appreciated Charlie Watts when I was younger. You know, starting out. I mean, you know, Simon um, Kirk. You know, what about I'm Simon? More into the Keith Moon stuff. You know, just going yeah. bloody mad, and yeah. and then it sort of went went on from there, sort of thing. Is but, it but, is it Simon Kirk that played for free? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Groove. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I wasn't into him either. I was into more flashy drummers. Well, that's you know? all right. That's all right. But I wanted, the, I wanted the flash, but I've really come to appreciate, you know, I mean, having read not not his um, autobiography, but I read a biography on on Keith Richards. Um, and it's it's not even the not the book he wrote, but it was a book someone else wrote. And, and during the course of it, you know, it comes up to each album they do, blah, 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 and blah, 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 then the next album. And and it was like I was sort of reading into this which albums Keith really liked. So I went and bought them, some of the later ones, you know, Bridges to Babylon and stuff like that. I mean, I mean it's just great. I mean, Charlie's just in the pocket, bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and actually, Keith Richards said, without Charlie, the Stones wouldn't have been what they were. Yeah, yeah, that goes back to what Jason said. If your drummer is great, then your band is going to be great. So I think, you know, the fact that they've got, who have they got drumming with? Is it Steve Jordan drumming? Yeah, Steve Jordan. I mean, hey, full marks to that guy. Yeah. They're filling Charlie's thing, and they're obviously really happy with him. Boom, great. Yeah. He spent a lot of time working with Keith and Keith's side band, the, the expensive winos. And Oh, right. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. So he's kind of family uh, a yeah. little bit. So uh, he's definitely familiar with that style and, and that approach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Nigel, we're going to let you go. Uh, I got to be respectful here. Jason's got to get to work. Um, okay. we, we do appreciate you spending some time with us. It's always Thank a pleasure. Uh, congratulations. Good fun as always. Yeah, great fun. Uh, congratulations on the new album. It's really Thank fantastic. You. Hellfire and Damnation. Uh, you can look for Saxon on the road here in the next couple months, Europe first, and then America. Uh, I will see you in Texas. Looking forward to that. And uh, as always, uh, thanks for joining us. You know, by the way, uh, Jason, this is Nigel's fourth appearance on the Talk Louder podcast. I, that makes him the Talk Louder king. I, yeah. reala- I realize that we need to like have a jacket printed up, you know, four timers club. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Studs on it, have a special patch, you know, have his name, have his name embroidered on the front. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we I'm going to I'm going to before I go, I'm going to say something on air. You yeah. asked me about, you know, young drummers. Your yeah. son, Dash. Great. Uh, He's doing great, man. Uh, Brilliant. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Yes, he is. That, I better means... watch my back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, really. Yeah. He's coming along great, man. Thank you very much. That means the world to me coming from you because I've always respected your playing. I think you're one of the best. So thanks, man. 
And you're a great guy. Thanks for always hanging out and spending time with us. It was great spending time with you. Jellyfish, jellyfish. Yes, now, I like now jellyfish. I've got, now I've got you. Now you've broken your uh, virginity re Indian food. Yes, I had Indian food for the first time last a uh, couple nights ago with Nigel, and he turned me on to another a new beer called Electric Jellyfish, which, by the way, All right. I had one yesterday. You, so, what? Yeah, you got you started something, man. Oh. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. All on right, behalf guys. of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with our special guest today, Nigel Glockler from Saxon on the Talk Louder podcast.